Welcome to the Chapman CG Podcast, inspiring and informative conversations with HR leaders from around the world. Flexibility in the workplace. The rapidly changing nature of work is creating new challenges and opportunities that organizations can only meet with flexible working arrangements. Even if the benefits of flexibility, such as increased engagement and productivity, are widely recognised, leaders must still adapt their management styles to leverage the opportunities for maximum competitive advantage. I'm here today with David Arkell, HR leader at GE in Australia, to discuss the ways in which flexible working arrangements impact employee engagement and productivity. David, welcome. Great to have you with us today. Thanks, Fiona, and uh, it's fantastic to have the opportunity to uh uh, to talk about uh, a topic that's uh, particularly relevant for lots of organisations uh, around the world today. Excellent. Well, first up, um, please tell us a little bit about yourself and your role at GE. Well, the first part of that question is a long story, Fiona, um, but uh, I'll try and be <laughs> succinct. Um, okay. I've, uh, I've been very fortunate. Yeah, I've been very fortunate in my career to date, um, having the opportunity to to live in a number of different parts of the world, a couple of cities in Australia, uh, lived in Jakarta, lived in London, lived in Zurich, um, and had accountability for markets in virtually every part of the world with the exception of North America. Um, Those roles um, have been across a number of sectors, starting in fast-moving consumer goods, moving into financial services, then into heavy industry, um, some pretty household names like Pepsi, uh, Zurich Financial, uh, BHP Billiton, and obviously now with GE, where I've been for four and a half years leading the HR community across Australia, New Zealand, and now Papua New Guinea. Terrific. And what are some of the cutting-edge flexible working practices at GE in Australia? I mean, we do quite a number of things, Fiona, regarding flexibility. Most of them are probably not what you'd describe as cutting edge. We've got lots of people who work part-time. We've got lots of people who job share. Um, We've got an additional annual leave program called Take Five, where if you take your four weeks leave in one calendar year, in the next year you can take a fifth leave at no cost. We've got the opportunity for people to work reduced hours, compressed work weeks, a whole raft of things. Um, But I think the... The focus of flexibility is not so much on the programs that you have in place. It's more on the culture that supports and encourages an inclusive environment and an inclusive culture which respects people from different backgrounds, different cultures, different environments, and enables them to bring their best self to work, whether that work is a physical place or it's a different place or a virtual place. So I think the the real emphasis we have in GE on flexibility is probably even broader than that. It's probably around inclusion, and it's about having leaders who aren't caught up in, I think the word that's used is presenteeism, the concept of people physically having to be present to, to be seen, to be working, and, and yes. that's been a significant change for us. So to what extent have... GE's physical working environment and spaces, as well as the flexible working conditions, uh, driven engagement and productivity? It's, it's a, that, that is a very interesting question. We recently ran our um, uh, employee opinion survey, and interestingly, we received different results around employee engagement for our people who work in our, uh, our, our Sydney office based in North Sydney 
to the people who work in our Melbourne office based in Richmond in, in Melbourne. And everything everything that exists around those two populations of people in terms of flexibility is exactly the same except for the physical environment of the office. So last year, at the start of last year, we moved in North Sydney into an agile workspace. So not not, not hot desking, not open plan, uh, but a concept of uh, agile working and we've introduced technology to support that. We we work on a ratio of uh, for every 10 people there are seven workstations because we make the assumption that people don't necessarily always want to be physically in the office. They might want to work from home, work from a customer site, work from a cafe. Um, and so we developed a work, a physical workspace that is very modern, very flexible, very technology driven and very agile. And we intend to do that in all of our offices throughout Australia and we've done Brisbane, we've done Perth, but we haven't yet done Melbourne. And so that's the only, Melbourne is still a traditional senior managers are in an office, um, you know, more junior employees are sitting in workstations that are dedicated, that have high you know, walls around them, that classic sort of uh, style of uh, old style workplace. So that's the only physical difference and the only policy and, and cultural difference between those two populations of people in Sydney and Melbourne. And yet our employee engagement score in Sydney was significantly greater than it is in Melbourne. So I think there's a real message in there for us and potentially for other organisations around you need to, if you want to get this working correctly, it's a systemic approach to the, the physical environment, the, the policies, the leadership to create flexibility and inclusion in the workplace. That's so interesting, the impact of the actual physical working environment on uh, employee engagement and overall satisfaction. Um, so how have leaders had to adapt their management styles to manage in this more virtual and flexible world? Yeah, again, I think that's been quite interesting because we've had, historically in GE, most people who read anything about GE would read a lot about um, uh, Lean, Six Sigma, very structured, very process-oriented. Um, some people describe it almost like a cult um, in the way we, we think about things and the way, we, uh, the way we're very process-driven. So we've had a significant culture change to go through to move people away from, not execution, but to move people away from the inputs that lead to execution. So now what we try and focus on with leaders is what's the outcome that's being delivered rather than what's the process to deliver the outcome. And that's, that in itself is a lot, creates a lot more flexibility because it's saying to people, let's agree what the priorities are, let's agree what the outcome's going to be, but then you have a lot of flexibility to work out how you're going to deliver that. Flexibility in terms of you know, whether you physically come into the office, you work from a different space, even flexibility in terms of the way you get there as long as it is, fits with our values and our beliefs. Um, and so that's been a big change for us as an organisation. And there are a number of leaders who have really struggled with that um, because they're used to working in an environment where they give a lot of direction, where they see a lot of inputs and they have a lot of toll gates and checkpoints uh, into the work that's going on. There's a lot more trust involved in leading a team of people now than there was potentially five or ten years ago in an organisation like GE. You still need to have your, uh, 
your ways of checking in and helping people, but they're a lot more fluid and conversational rather than process-driven ways and operating rhythms to, to check in with people. So it has been quite a challenge and we have had some leaders who've struggled with that. Uh, I think the, the onus on the HR people is to know which leaders are struggling and then to be able to work with those leaders to help them adapt to the new way of thinking, the, the new way of working. And if you've got HR managers, HR business partners who are well connected with their customers, they'll know which leaders are doing this well and which ones aren't. And it's up to them to then go and help those leaders to see another way to try some things that are different, to perhaps take some incremental steps moving towards being more agile and being more flexible. And how have HR policies had to evolve to enable these more flexible working conditions, do you think? Uh, I mean, HR policies drive me nuts. Um, uh, <laughs> I'm meant to be the, the, you know, the HR leader. Um, I, I've seen, over the years, I've seen organisations try to predict every eventuality that might occur with an employee and write a policy around it. And, and I think a lot of organisations have done that to make it easier for the managers to know how to respond when a particular situation arises. However, I think what that does is that provides a crutch to the leaders and the managers to fall back onto, oh no, the policy says you can't do this or the policy says you can do that. So the way we think about not just HR policies but you know, more broadly in the organisation but purely from a HR perspective, if something is legally required, if we're legally required to have a policy in, in Australia around discrimination, harassment, bullying, um, whatever it might be, then we have a policy that supports the, the legislative environment. But if we don't need to have a policy, from a legal perspective, I would argue, why do you have one? Because the way I think about this, Fiona, is a lot of organisations talk about flexibility and they talk about flexible work practices and then they write detailed policies around them. Well, as soon as you write detail around it, it's no longer flexible. Flexibility needs to be able to adapt to the needs and the circumstances of different employees at different stages of their lives and their careers. You're never going to cover every eventuality of that. So that's why the, the leadership element is so much more critical that you've got a leader who thinks about um, equity rather than equality. So what's the fair thing to do? What's the right thing to do for this employee in this situation rather than what's the equal thing to do for this person to what I've done for someone else? So I think if you, if you, if you can use that thinking about equity rather than equality, then I think you don't need a lot of policies written. Um, and you need to have confidence as a leader that you're going to apply your judgment to make the right decision in different circumstances. Mm, so really you're advocating more of a common sense approach and trusting the leaders to make the right decisions in each situation. And that's right. I think trusting the leaders is the important point here. And, and, and what will happen is, and what does happen, and there are plenty of organisations that are nowhere near the have the history and the, uh, the baggage of a GE, you know, over 130 years of history, plenty of modern organisations that don't have a lot of policies. And what they do is they rely exactly that on the leaders to exercise their judgement because that's what we get paid to do as leaders is to exercise our judgement. And what happens is if, if a leader is not 
exercising their judgment well, you give them support, you give them help to improve that, but people won't want to go and work in their teams. And so you end up finding situations where the leaders who are good at exercising judgment and being flexible and leading teams in a more contemporary way have lots of people want to come and work for them and the others don't. So therefore you can help those others. I think I saw some research that talked about 25% of leaders struggle in this sort of environment. Well, if it's 25% and you can help 50% of those 25% to become effective in this type of environment, you've only got a small handful of leaders, 12, 12.5%, who can't struggle, who can't survive. So I think it forces leaders to be, uh, to be much more, to, to lead rather than manage, and it forces them to exercise their judgment uh, in terms of how they're leading their teams of people. Well, that about wraps it up. Thank you for sharing your knowledge and insights with us today, David. Fiona, thanks. Um, that's great. And I, uh, you know, the technology here is a, a great example of how you can connect with people in a way that doesn't have to be uh, physically face-to-face in, a, uh, in an office. Of, uh, so I applaud, the, uh, I applaud the medium of this as well. That was David Arkell, HR leader for GE in Australia, discussing how flexibility in the workplace can drive better business outcomes. For more excellent conversations from Chapman CG, subscribe to our podcast series or check us out at chapmancg.com.